Time will tell, but uh, the Apple Corporation, founded by Steve Jobs, is on track to becoming the most successful business venture in all of human history. Uh, and Walter Isaacson released uh, this biography of Steve Jobs soon after uh, his death. And it seems significant that in this uh, biography that's over 600 pages, on page 15, that early in the book, uh, there is a description of Job's teenage struggle with God. On uh, page 15, which says, even though they were not fervent about their faith, Job's parents wanted Steve to have a religious upbringing. So they took him to the Lutheran church most Sundays. That came to an end when he was 13. In July 1968, Life magazine published a shocking cover showing a pair of starving children in Biafra. Jobs took it to Sunday school and confronted his church's pastors, saying, if I raise my finger, will God know which one I'm going to raise before I do it? And the pastor answered, yes, God knows everything. Jobs then pulled out the Life cover and asked, well, then does God know about this? And what is going to happen to these kids? And the pastor answered, Steve, I know you don't understand, but yes, God knows about that. And when the pastor said this, Jobs announced that he didn't want to have anything to do with worshiping such a God, and he never went back to church. Isaacson shares uh, this encounter immediately after describing uh, two other struggles in uh, Job's uh, early life. Uh, the first struggle at uh, 13 was that Steve Jobs began coming to grips with the truth that he was adopted. Although Steve Jobs uh, commonly did not refer to being adopted, he instead preferred to describe himself as abandoned. And struggle number two was at uh, 13. He was a middle schooler who was constantly bullied and beaten up at school. And this background means that when Steve Jobs saw those suffering children on the cover of Life magazine, he likely saw himself. And this theological crisis, therefore, was not only uh, over the kids in Biafra, uh, but over God's seeming indifference to him as an abandoned, bullied kid. An earlier message uh, in this series uh, was called, I Have a Friend Who Doesn't Believe in God. Uh, because the truth is, some of us struggle with uh, whether God even exists. But today is different. Uh, I have a friend who has given up on God addresses the reality that people who fully believe in God sometimes choose to walk away from him. Some stomp away in anger from God. 
Some walk away disillusioned, and some wander from God in apathy. Uh, Let me briefly describe uh, these three who give up on God. First, we give up due to disapproval. Uh, Have you ever disapproved of God? Well, maybe you have if you have suffered. I I don't mean that you've had a bad day. I mean, you you have been heart-wounded by evil, that you've been victimized, or uh, you've had a traumatic loss, or a tragedy uh, that that comes in deep and extends for months and years. If so, you probably know what it means to disapprove of God and what he does or doesn't do. In the Bible, Job suffered like this. One day, Job lost his family, his job, his health, his house, and his sense of God's love in his life. And Job cried out with his disapproval, saying, I cry out to you, God, but you do not answer. I stand up, but you merely look at me. You turn on me ruthlessly with the might of your hand. You attack me. You snatch me up and drive me before the wind. You toss me about in the storm. And Job goes on and on and on in profound disapproval. He expresses heartfelt anger toward God. And I'm here to say that it's okay to express your feelings of anger to God. God wants a real relationship with me. Uh, And that includes the full range of emotion. In fact, all over scripture, uh, God reveals that uh, he would rather that I engage my feelings of anger with him than to ignore him in apathy. Job, in his suffering, got angry with God. But Job did not give up on God. Job poured out his heart to God, but he also paused to listen to God and to God's word. God uh, had a relationship with Job where Job struggled in his walk with God, but he never walked away from God. So go ahead if you must, express your anger to God. But don't give up on God. Because if you pause in the midst of your feelings expressed to listen to God and his word, you'll find that God is your friend and not your enemy. You'll find that often God gets angry about the same things that you do. And you'll find that God understands suffering first hand, because Jesus is God in the flesh. And so when I scream, God, do you have any idea what it is like to suffer evil in this world? Do you have any idea what it's like to be abused, to be victimized, to be betrayed, to have death stare you in the face? In Jesus, God says, yes. I do know what it is to suffer. So don't turn away 
from Jesus, your forever friend. Don't give up on Jesus because Jesus never gives up on you. Another reason we give up on God is disappointment. Uh, those who give up on God in disappointment don't stomp away in anger. They walk away in disillusionment. I have faith that God will heal me, but the healing never comes. I'm confident that God will spare my loved one, but then God lets him slip away. What do I do when the thing that I thought that God would never let me suffer through happens? What do I do when God fails to meet my expectations? That was Peter's story. Uh, Peter denied Jesus three times, but his denials had little to do with being afraid and everything to do with dashed expectations. Peter expected Jesus to be a political savior who would crush the Roman oppressors. The night that, G that Peter de denied Jesus three times was the night that Peter discovered that Jesus was, to his disappointment, heading to a cross and not a conquest. And to this day, people like Peter are turning away from Jesus when following him involves a cross that they never expected. But you can express that to God. You can express your disappointment and unmet expectations to God. You know, one thing you notice about the Psalms in the Bible is that uh, a psalmist like David uh, can go from expressing toward God an exaltation of praise to exasperation with God, all in the space of one sentence which just goes to prove that God wants a relationship with me that has room for all my feelings toward him, including my feelings of devotion and my feelings of disappointment. But I cannot give up on God. Don't give up on God because Jesus doesn't give up on you. Even when Peter gave up on Jesus and went back fishing, the resurrected Jesus tracked him down. And with nail-scarred hands, Jesus fixed Peter breakfast. And there on that beach, Jesus extended grace and friendship to Peter by asking him three times, just like Peter denied him three times, three times, Peter, do you love me? So today, if you've turned away from God in disappointment, Jesus extends to you the same nail-scarred hand because your friend Jesus never gives up on you. Another reason we give up on God is due to distraction. Uh, Jesus told the story of a young guy who had it all in his father's loving care, but yet uh, wandered away from home, was lured away from home by a host of distractions. Uh, in the words of Ecclesiastes, he went 
chasing after the wind. So the point of Jesus' story is that even when this prodigal gave up on the father, the father never gave up on his child. A, uh, a truth that Brant Jobst describes in his life story. So my first experience at BlackRock was being dedicated in 1980. My parents were members there, my grandparents were members there. Uh, we saw them every week going to uh, Sunday school. I went to VBS, I went to youth group. Growing up, my parents wove uh, being a Christian and loving the Lord and loving Jesus into constant conversation. Whenever we were going through something, it was always what they talked about. And so um, it wasn't something that I ever questioned. That's just what that's what we did. We went to church and it was family. So as I got older, um, my middle uh, school years, I was still going to church, still active in youth group, um, but that was just one aspect of my life. You're in this awkward stage and you want to fit in, you want to be cool. I, I never had the desire really to rebel, but because I was really shy growing up, I, I wanted to be cool. I wanted to act like I fit in. And so that was a middle ground for me where I started to explore other avenues besides what um, the church had to offer. Well, I had the opinion that of course I'm saved and it gave me the license to do whatever I wanted to do, in my mind, to pursue things like partying, drinking and smoking and girls. Obviously, I was pursuing the wrong thing. But in the moment, you don't think like that when you're 15. Looking back on that, it reminds me of the beginning of Ecclesiastes, where Solomon says that uh, he's seen everything under the sun, um, everything that's been done, and it's all meaningless. It's a chasing after the wind. So that's exactly what I did. I chased after the wind. And you never catch it, and you're always trying to pursue it, and it's, it's something that you can't obtain. So after uh, graduating from college uh, with a degree in architecture, I got out and I moved back home, and I kind of just floated. I was still kind of living that version of myself from college and high school, but amplified because I was making money and I was on my own. My parents said, well, if you're home, you have to go to church. And it was something that just, I didn't want to have anything to do with. It got to a point where my dad said, hey, listen, I want you to come back on the worship team. I said, no, 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 nothing, I don't, I don't care. I don't want to do it. Something I did, I haven't played guitar in like five years. He said, I'll buy you any guitar that you want. And I thought, well, I could get a really expensive guitar, but I chose a really cheap one. But it was awesome that he cared that much about me and God used music, something that I was super passionate about, to draw me back to church. So I was playing worship Sunday mornings. Uh, I had no real community at church. Um, my girlfriend at the time, Janet, wasn't a Christian, uh, but she was going to church and she said we should go to Sanctuary. So I started playing music at Sanctuary and I met guys like John Mendez and John Serbo and Dave Negredo, guys who had the same kind of experiences, maybe not as crazy, but I could relate to them. They played music. It was like, wow, I, these guys, these are Christian guys and like, they're cool. I, I felt like I was missing out for so long. And so that's, that community really was what drew me back in. So this time around, my relationship with God, relationship with people was different. I think because of the community and there's a little bit of maturity being in your late twenties, 
it was that now I can have a personal relationship with Jesus and it's not just something that was my parents or my grandparents or something that we had to do because you had no choice. It was my choice, which was awesome and it really felt fantastic because even though life wasn't easier, it was a whole lot more full. Serving, I thought, I don't want to serve. But through serving, wow, I get to affect other people. Community, that's people I don't necessarily know. Now you meet new people, you have new friends. I found out what it meant to really truly worship and less of you and more of Him. So having this newfound faith, this personal, personal relationship with Jesus has been um, just overwhelming. Um, my girlfriend became a Christian, we got married, we have three awesome boys, another kid on the way in April. Because of architecture, I got to be part of the team that designed the church and be really involved in that for about six years, which was absolutely uh, amazing. John Mendez has allowed me to be on the worship band some 12 years later, which has been fantastic. Uh, something I really enjoy. Uh, on Monday nights, I do Stockade, which is a boys program where we get to mentor some kids and have fun with them. Um, but they get to see guys that are in high school and in college and then even the guys my age. So they can see what it, it means to be a, a guy who's a Christian who loves the Lord. And that's been really rewarding. So I can't imagine where I'd be now if I didn't have people praying for me constantly, have a community that cared about me, to be a part of something that was bigger than just me. And even though I, I've missed opportunities in my 20s and my teens to really make an impact, a godly or a Christ-centered impact for uh, the Lord, um, I now have the opportunity to encourage a younger generation um, to run to Jesus because he's standing right there in front of them. Philip Yancey tells the story of visiting his mom and his mom brought out a box of old photographs and he tells how uh, he came across uh, black and white photo after photo uh, showing him growing up from toddler to a young child to adolescence and every photograph uh, he was alone and uh, without a father. And the pictures brought up an old wound. The wound is that just like Steve Jobs, uh, Philip grew up feeling abandoned by his father. Uh, for his father contracted polio and uh, went into the hospital when Philip was only uh, 10 months old. Uh, Philip never saw his father again uh, because uh, he died in the hospital uh, three months after being on his back trapped uh, alone in a breathing machine uh, they used to call the iron lung. Uh, and in the midst of all these uh, black and white photographs, Yancey came across one that was all beaten up and crumpled and bent. And he asked his mother, and she said, yes, that was a special photograph. Uh, this was the photograph that his dying father requested 
be placed above his head for the last three months of his life. His father was encased in this uh, iron lung with nothing to do but stare up at the image of his infant son jammed in among the metal knobs and the plastic tubes. And uh, Philip Yancey said that when he saw that crumpled photo, it suddenly became a symbol of his father's love. Uh, he thought about his father's longing to be with him, thought of his father's dying love, and how he was focused on his child's face. There was then in the symbol of love a deep healing of an old wound. You have a father like that who loves you and longs to be with you. And even if you have given up on him, your father in heaven has not given up on you. Long before you knew him, he knew you and he had you as the focus of his affection. And of course, your father is not paralyzed. He came, he came in the person of Jesus to you who sacrificed himself on the cross and reaches out to you right now. And in a moment, uh, you'll be served the symbols of Jesus' love. Uh, the bread and the cup that represent what Jesus was willing to do in order to reach out to you. And if you've turned away from Jesus due to disapproval or disappointment or distraction, receive the bread and cup as symbols of his love to you, but receive them as your symbol that today to Jesus you are coming home. Can I just say one more thing about symbols? Uh, symbols mean a lot to Jesus. Jesus commands us to take the symbols of communion because he so wants you to have these tangible evidences of his love. You know, there is another symbol that means a lot to Jesus. But this is a symbol that he commands you to give back to him as a symbol of your love. It's called baptism. And if you have not chosen to give this symbol to Jesus of your love, please go from this room directly to the prayer room and sign up to be baptized on uh, November 18th. I pray that you will lovingly give this symbol to your forever friend Jesus with the same joy that you receive this these symbols of Jesus' love for you, this Jesus who never gives up on you. We want to thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online, and we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church. Know that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, and also uh, know that you can give uh, to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your uh, donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have uh, these videos online and for us to impact our community.